Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Colin Reichart, and he is founder, CEO of Green Bros. And we're going to find out a little bit more about his company. He is an entrepreneur. He's an inventor creator of beautiful objects, <laughs> machinery, which we're going to talk about. But if you go to the website and check some of this stuff out, it, it's quite impressive. As, a, as an architect, I can appreciate the the attention to detail on these things. So I'm excited for the conversation and I'm excited to hear more. With that, Colin, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. I'm, I'm really glad to be here. So let's talk a little bit about, let's talk about your background first, like how you got into this business, how you got into cannabis, You know, a little bit about your background, and then we can talk about the products that you make and how you serve the agriculture industry and, and We'll get into some of the things you're doing today, but but take us back. Give us a sense of the background and how how do you get into this space? Wow, I mean, I guess I could go way way back when I <laughs> bought a photo bought a phototron. Oh I'm yes, sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> yes, we yeah. need to go that far yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was always kind of fascinated. I wasn't any good. I've never been. I don't have green thumbs. I have I have uh, brown thumbs when it comes to uh, <laughs> handling uh, growing 
plants. Yeah. Good with animals, not so good with plants. But um, I had just, you know, the technology. It was interesting that I remembered all the way back that. And I thought, wow, this is such a cool little, you know, device. And it was all one piece. And it was uh, it was pretty cool little machine. But I've always had kind of a passion for mechanical stuff and have always been really fascinated and interested in it. But I got really into cannabis back when I had uh, my dad had actually gotten into it in up in Lake County. He was in yep. Lake County in California and, and sure. he had had a, a really successful growing operation. And he was like, yeah, well, I know you need to want to make a little extra money. You should should really look at this thing. And I, you know, I, so I kind of went after it to try and to be in the growing and producing side of it. And I really kind of learned quickly that, uh, <laughs> a, it's a lot more work than I thought. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, it's not just planting stuff in your backyard, Yeah. but you know, the, the thing about that moment was like, there was this whole void in the industry itself. I mean, I was looking at different aspects of it and it was up and coming. That was back in when I think 215 had prop 215, yep. I think has just been started. And um, I think right before the 420, might have been right at 420 also, those guys came in the right at the same time frame. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I, I, I actually had a friend of mine who was in the industry and uh, he was from England and he was like, you got to make me a, a hash machine. And I'm like, all right, I'll, yeah, we'll do it. So we, <laughs> we, start, yep. we started looking at like the machines that were on the in the marketplace and I came up with a design that was completely different. It was still a rotational design, but it was it was flat screens that were tighter and, and created a little bit more product movement and, and agitation. It's, it's the first patent I ever got actually on our Alchemist product. We call it the Alchemist now, but yeah. at that time it was, uh, I can't even remember what we called it. It was, uh, I invented this machine and it worked so well that I was, I had no idea how it was going to work. So I'd made a box of screens. We put a bunch of uh, keef and, or sift in it mm-hmm. and started tumbling it. And I didn't have any covers on it. And my whole house <laughs> filled up with keef dust. And I'm, I'm like, here, I, I've got my, I got my son rotating it. Oh like, my gosh. No, 20 RPMs. And all of a sudden it's like the whole house is full of dust. I'm like, wow, this is really bad. <laughs> okay. But, everyone out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get out. Uh, but on the other hand, it was like, wow, that, that freaking really, really works. So I learned a lot really quickly on how to, you know, not just design a product, but the iterations of design after design after design after design to to nail down the details and, yeah. and figure out how you can actually bring something out of uh, a garage and into a marketplace. And then, you know, all of the details around pricing and, and costs. And, yeah. and, you know, so there was a ton of, you know, ton of value in that. But I thought I, I thought I was going to hit the lottery. I thought that's what business was like. You invent a product and, <laughs> and then you and, just sit back, wait for the checks to come in. <laughs> wait for the checks. Yeah, exactly. And so they didn't, by the way, just, yeah. uh, just so you're surprised. Uh, yeah. 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 It didn't happen. But I, I found, uh, I found that the market was just not receptive to that product at the time either, because like that was just when concentrates had really started to yeah. just, you know, it was just like, wow, that's it. No one was interested in, in sifting at that point. And, uh, I actually ended up driving all the way to Northern California with all the machines that I could afford to make and uh, trying to trying to hawk my wares. You know, I was out oh there. Oh my gosh, you were like door to door salesperson. Door yeah. to door to door, but those door, those doors you don't knock on <laughs> up there, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was quite interesting. I actually spent many many nights in national parks with a trailer full of machines. But I did get a company that that was really supportive, and they took a couple machines on consignment and. Mm-hmm. 
um, the guy was the the maintenance tech was like, oh man, you got to see this new trimmer machine. It's the thing, man. And they were selling them like they were selling them. They were backordered and they were selling them so fast. And it was uh, I, I hate to say the name of it, but it was the Mean Green. Yeah. It was back in the day when they were the thing, and it was just yeah. like everybody wanted this machine. It was the first dry trimming machine, and I saw it. And I told this guy, I said, I'll be back in three weeks with yeah. a better machine. Yeah, exactly. I can beat that. <laughs> yeah, I can do that, man. Yeah. It's not a problem. And he looked at me like I was I was crazy, but I ended up bringing back a machine that in three weeks I actually showed back up with a with a prototype of uh, of the what's now our flagship product, which is our dry trimming machine. Yeah. And uh, the owner of that company looked at that machine, watched the demonstration, which is a whole nother story. It's a great story, but it, I don't want to take up all the time on history. But I got there and everybody got distracted and I had to get everybody's attention. And I had actually taken product to test with uh-huh. from Southern California to Northern California, which is not the way that product flows. Um, <laughs> if you're with the salmon upstream. Yeah. 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 So Anyway, I finally got their attention enough and I showed it to him and he's, he was watching. He is kind of, he kind of just got mesmerized and he stopped. He goes, you know, man, I sell all these machines and I got to be honest with you. They're just not impressive. He said, but that's, that's impressive what that machine does. Yeah. And I, I knew at that point because he was the biggest company in the area, in the Emerald Triangle area, I knew that if he was saying that, you know, that I was on it. And uh, so we kind of, I kind of say we, but I had a a friend of mine in the business with me at the time and Mm -hmm. we kind of just planned out how to do whatever, whatever to do what's next, how, what is next, you know? So I built some machines and sold them to them and then went immediately looking for money, you know, like I can't do this. I I don't have the means to do this. And Mm, uh, we actually found through uh, ArcView, which is, uh, was an early cannabis. They're still around, but they start really early with the cannabis investing. Uh, we did get an investor through that and got a $150,000 investment in our second year, which allowed me to be, I mean, I quit my job anyway at that time working for Hewlett Packard. Uh, but I, I, that gave us capital to get going. And, uh, that first year, the year before that we did like 60,000 in revenues. The second year, we did three hundred sixty thousand dollars, and we didn't get funded until August. Good for you. And then our, our third year, we did three point seven million dollars. Yeah. And then we went just Bing, 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 <laughs> and we're yeah, it's just like that. We've, we've moved ship. now. Yeah. It's it's kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. So the maturity and all the changes that have to happen as you grow up in in a company, and a company goes from being in your garage to being in now we're in twenty five thousand square foot beautiful facility in in Las Vegas. You know, with two and a half million dollars of of equipment, so that we we can stay on the edge of of production and, and make the machines that you see on our website. So yeah, I mean, it's just. That's kind of how it happened. It was yeah. one of those things where it never really was envisioned other than it just kept moving. You know, I, I just wouldn't stop. I just didn't want to let anything get in my way because I always wanted to have my own company. And as it started to move faster and faster and faster, you know, at some point you sit back and go, holy shit, you know, we did it. Look, yeah. at, what, look at what's going on, yeah. you know? It's and happening. then it changes again <laughs> and you go right back to work. You're like, oh man. There's no break. Wait, yeah. No break. Where's my break at? Yeah. Uh, it's not there. Oh. So I, interesting. So I think, I mean, I want to pull out one, well, a couple of things from from the background that I think are important kind of notes or, or I think for, for people listening to this and we're kind of going through the entrepreneurial journey is that whole you know that original thing of how do, how do I find problems that are worth solving right so this whole yeah. you know solving a problem 
that is not the most important problem. <laughs> you know, and I see that time right. and time again. I mean, I see it in cannabis, I see it in all industries, you know, but sort of picking the wrong problem or, or picking a problem that's not the most important problem and, and getting really good at being, you know, through interactions with customers, with your market, you know, how can you explore and, you know, either find the better problem or find the next problem that's going to come in and potentially eat your lunch, right? So this whole thing of, you know, people were moving to concentrates and all of a sudden the, you know, the needs shifted, the problem shifted, and it's, we call it, I mean, it's the Kodak problem, right? If I get, if I focusing on digital or on um, film photography and I miss the digital transformation, I'm going to get left behind. So it's how do how do you stay on yeah. top of that? And then, yeah, that yeah. whole kind of growth process. I mean, uh, I'm curious what, you know, for you, uh, you know, going from founder, inventor, salesperson, garbage taker outer, <laughs> you know, doing everything on the company to actually growing a business and bringing people in and figuring out how to kind of navigate that process. What have been some of the challenges or kind of changes you've had to make, you know, as a leader? to grow along with the company? I mean, what are what have you noticed as the company's grown? And it sounds like fairly quickly. Wow, those are two pretty awesome questions, to be honest. Uh, and they could, we could probably spend the whole you know hour or two on each of them. But yeah. uh, I think that the hardest thing when you're looking at problems or you're looking at solutions is, you know, it's easy to get fixated on things where you're, you're either you're fixated on the way something looks or you're fixated on the way that something or you're fix, fixated on solving a problem that, actually doesn't need to be solved. Yeah. I think Shark Tank's full of people like that, right? Yeah. Where they just like, we just don't see a need for your product. But this person has given everything in their life to solve this problem. And you're like, well, <laughs> that's great, but nobody wants one of those. Yeah. Uh, and that's really a key part of it, right? I mean, without a market, there's just nothing. Well, one of my early meetings with a couple of people that I met at my first investor meeting, they they kind of were, sat on an advisory panel for us for a while. But they, he, I remember him saying, well, Cullen, you know, if you're not selling, then this is all just a hobby. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. But that's kind of how I've always looked at it. It's like, you know, because it's a vacuum, right? The cannabis industry, like any growing industry or actually any industry, but it's more visible in a, in a vacuum like or in, a, in an industry like this where everything is so new and needed. And everybody's throwing everything at it, right? Everybody's like, oh, well, this works over here. So we'll use it here. Well, it's not probably true, but everybody's kind of trying to solve all these issues. There's so many holes. So it's easy to see those holes, but the problem can be that hole doesn't actually need to be filled. Yeah, And it may just be because that's how they do all the background stuff this week. But next week, maybe they're doing all the background stuff this way. And you go, oh, wow, man, that you could spend all your money and all your time and energy trying to fix something like you, like you said, that just doesn't need to be fixed. Well, so we've stayed true to our flagship, our trimming machine, because it's really the core of who we are and what we do best. And then we've never been afraid to branch out. And so we've always looked at every other opportunity and gotten into every other opportunity that we feel has viability. We work with some companies who are in the space. We have a great reputation. So we're able to take another company who is new or, or burgeoning and, and be able to bring them into the space much more rapidly because we're we're in yeah. you know a large percentage of large value grows. So, uh, and we have a trusted relationship with a lot of people. So we're able to bring products in. So I'm not ashamed to say that there are you know other products that are worth looking at. I mean, it's it's just such an open space. It makes sense, right? Oh, I'm curious how you... What does that process look like? So I spend a lot of time you know, developing, working with leadership teams on developing strategy and figuring out markets and products and stuff like that. What does your process look like in terms of sort of gathering insight about your customers and the market in terms of where the needs are going or new needs are popping up and then evaluating 
if you should develop something internally, if you, sh- you should look for mm-hmm. something that's already on the market? I mean, do you have, is this a formal process for you? It is intuitive. What's, give us some it's insight. A lot of, it's a lot of in- intuition, but then there's a lot in, you have the intuitive part, which mm-hmm. kind of spurs and starts the deal. And then you look at it and then you have to look at it and go, wow, okay, what's my quickest way here? What's the most rapid way in? And does it make any sense? Like, can we be financially, am I, am I going to be financially rewarded and by doing this? Am I, or am I wasting my time? Am I putting my company in jeopardy? Or am I putting my people in jeopardy? And we've made products that never went anywhere. And you go, yeah. go holy. so you get gun shy. You don't want to do that. But on the other side, you don't want to be afraid to do it because, you know, you, you run into a company, uh, one of our, our great partners, Green Vault Systems, and they make the, the best batching system in the world for cannabis. It's hmm. That's astoundingly accurate. It's super gentle. It fits right in with all of our motto. And if we hadn't been open to that, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't have that partnership. And it's a huge gamble because they're new, we're new still, and you're trying to have a relationship with somebody. And it's just like this huge chaos of things going on around you. So with them, we had informal meetings. We worked on a project kind of together. And then we started to talk about how, you know, how potentially Green Bros could help them with their success. And, and you know, we, we started talking about formalities and, and tried to make things really kind of rigid to start. And then ended up backing out of all of that and saying, listen, why don't we, why don't we agree to, to treat each other with respect and dignity and start this relationship? And let's see how this relationship starts to move. So that we're not confined completely by some contract that puts either one of us in jeopardy. So obviously, you know, as you move down that relationship, you can you can tighten things up and make things more more effective for everybody that's involved. But initially it was just like, hey, listen, you know, you guys have a great product. We have a great reputation. We think that your product fits well with our with our business, you know, our whole what we do. Mm-hmm. And we, we'd like to be a part of it. And this is how we'll do it. And so you come up with a price structure and a representation structure. We fulfill our promises. They fulfill their promises. And everything works out well. And then, you're, you know, this last year we had a great meeting kind of a relook at everything that we're doing. And you have the, you have these great opportunities to grow as individual companies and kind of strengthen your relationship because it was so successful the year before. Yeah. So, you know, there's probably another ways to do those things, but we're just not a capital heavy company. If I was sitting on $400 million, yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe I'd just buy all buy, these things, yeah, exactly. right? <laughs> I've got the solution to that. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you're poor, when you're, when you're cash poor, like we are, I mean, we we're, yeah. revenues are great and we make money, but I mean, we just don't, you know, we're just not sitting. Yeah. On, you're not sitting on boatloads of cash. Yeah. Yeah. But most loads companies of cash, aren't. So, <laughs> Right, right. So, and we put everything back in. Like it's always investing internally and making things better, making new equipment, trying to grow and get the company ready for that next stage. So you don't have necessarily the opportunity to to buy everything that's out there, and you don't know what they're going to be at and what level that that company is at because there's no history. Like there's no history. There's no financials. I can't look at your stock market yeah. ticker for the last ten years and go, "Wow, that that fucking company is." Uh, yeah. They they look ripe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so there's nothing there. You're looking at a couple of people and evaluating them you're evaluating their you're evaluating their 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 product you're yeah. evaluating and you're going man is this you know so you're it it's it's crazy from that perspective yeah. so that's where the intuition comes in you know you have to have that moment where you just like yeah i, I like these yeah, guys go no go I think this yeah. Is, yeah this is going to be a this is going to be a working situation and we've had some success with that and we've had some failures with that yeah. um you know, because things are not always what they're presented to be. You know, people don't always want to come out and lead with their 
with all of that information that you have to bring to a table in a situation like that. You know, sometimes you're getting into it and you're like, well, there's just really nothing here, you know, no. uh, or, you know, you look at it and go, there's, it's cheaper for me to do this myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's, well, I there's think, that. I think there's an interesting uh, and important, and I, and I think very, uh, I've seen it in companies a lot, that this kind of combination of sort of the logical, rational, you know, what, what does the model say? You know, if I do the overall way analysis, you know, when's the return going to happen? You know, there's that kind of side of it. And then there's the kind of more intuitive values based, like, are, are, do we have synergy here or not? And one of the things I, I do a lot with companies is uh, focus on what we call core framework, which is, you know, your purpose, you know, what's your purpose, what's your mission, what are your core values, what are the guiding principles that guide your decision making, you know, around how you want to be doing business, who you want to be doing business with, why, and, you know, all values are good. There's no right or wrong. It's just, this is the way you are. And the more you can find people that are like you are, the more successful you're going to be, whether they're, you know, employees, partners, vendors, you know, customers, like all, all those things, the more you can kind of align around these core values and stuff. I mean, it, it sounds like this has happened at some level. Do you have kind of formal values or, you know, core values that you've identified over time that, that help guide your decision making? Or has this been more just kind of the, the gut yeah. instinct by, you know, the leadership team? I think it's, you know, it's such so hard because you have these really strong emotional kind of gut instincts and you can have them around shit. I'm mean, pardon me, but I mean, yep. like you can have this moment where you're like, wow, that's the best thing I've ever conceived of. We yeah. need to make that. We got to work with this guy. And then and you realize it's just, it's vapid or there's nothing yeah. really, there's nothing substantive, you know? So you, you, you know, but that's the exploration process, right? Like we're, I'm not going to see somebody at a, at a trade show, look at their product and go, wow, I got to have that product and then sign a contract or go into work with them. I mean, it's going to take six months as we get to know each yep. other and start to understand a little bit more about what they want to do and what they want to accomplish and what it is they want to be. I mean, like one of the big things with my first conversations around with these guys was like, you know, if I could do it my way, I would just bring you guys on board. Right. And this is a candid conversation. It's like, that's how I would do it, but I would also, because of what I've experienced in my life and what I've done, I would never take the opportunity to be a business owner from anybody. Mm, like, yeah. I would never, I would I never it. do that. If that's what you want to do, I'm never going to say, "Hey, Dell, don't do it." Yeah, um, because <laughs> it's been the most challenging and exciting and entertaining and like just the best value thing for me aside yeah. from raising kids that I've ever been involved in. So, you know, I think that the days back. When when we used to see these, you know, and I'm, I know that's happening still. There's a lot of these corporate consolidation and mergers and all mm -hmm. that stuff's going on. But for smaller, the smaller companies who are learning how to operate together more synergistically, understanding, look, I mean, the need's too big. The, the market's too big and the needs are too big for one company. I, there's just not enough. Yeah for, you know, bandwidth for a company, a startup company to be able to fill all the holes within the market space. But the market space is also not big enough to attract people who could do all of it, right? They're, yeah, conundrum. The John, you yeah. know, the John Deere's aren't coming yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, they will, Oh yeah, I would imagine, but you know, it's just like, you know, it's what it is. So it's in this really interesting space. Plus, you know, uh, the hemp thing, oh my God, and CBD and yeah. what that, just, oh my, geez, that just changed everything. That was a, that was yeah. a earthquake and a half right there. Yeah. Uh, but well, yeah, so, yeah. so I, I think, yeah, I'm sorry. I think that, I think that it, everybody has a way of doing things. And my feeling has always, has always been like people, and this is how I treat the people that work, you know, with me and in, in the company. It's like people work best when they're challenged and when they're pursuing a passion. 
or they're given the opportunity to do the thing that they, they, that, that sets them on fire, yeah. you know, and then you get this, this gold mine of productivity or value, uh, that gets just flowing out of this person. You're like, wow, where did that guy come from? I have no idea, you know, but they did, they just, they caught on fire. They love this thing or they're into, you know, this is their passion. And so but if you treat companies the same way, you get that same thing. You find people who are, who are like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I want to do this. And it's not that they don't have to be passionate about cannabis necessarily mm-hmm. or, or hemp. It's just, you know, that passion of like, yeah, man, I, I want to, I want to build a business. Dude, I'm down. I'll help you build your business. Let's do this. You yeah. know, as long as we can make it work right. And it makes sense. I'll do everything I can to make you guys successful. Cause that's going to just add to our success. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, and that's a very, I, I mean, that's, that's a very kind of global enlightened view, <laughs> which I'm not, not all CEOs that I talk to have that same kind of perspective. And I did notice in your, you're in a talking there and you, you use the term, uh, the people that you work with, not the people that were the people that work with you, not the people that work for you. I'm curious how you've gone about, you know, finding the people. I think that's one of the big challenges with growing companies. And as, you know, things start to scale and, and, um, you know, at some level, it's oftentimes companies get caught up because their sales grow so quickly and the market opportunity grows very quickly, but they can't back it up with uh, actually growing the organization around that. Or they they take missteps in terms of the people they bring on and they end up with a culture, you know, a, a team and a culture that's not really aligned and, and is not really you know, synergistic. How have you, how have you kind of navigated that process? And is there anything you've learned about who you've surrounded yourself with, uh, how you found people, how you kind of interview, how, you, I mean, you mentioned some of the, you know, tapping into their passions. Is there anything that you've done that has allowed you to do that successfully? Talk to me about the people side. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's the, probably the most difficult yeah. part of a puzzle, right? Because no matter who works, works for me, there's a personal investment, Absolutely. And or works with and for whatever, you, you know, there's a personal investment because it's small company. I know everybody, you know, and I can tell really quickly, usually within the first few minutes of, of conversation, whether I've got something that's really interesting for them. Um, and if it is, then I can take, you know, you can take interest and you can apply interest into passion and, and kind of go down that direction. If you have somebody that's like an opportunist strictly, um, that kind of fl- flushes itself out quickly as well. And you, and that there's nothing wrong with that. Honestly, there's some very strong people who, who are just seeking an opportunity and that's great. And I, and I, and I think it's very, it's very valuable. It's just that for me, I would way outweigh the, the, the passion yeah. over a, an opportunity person from, just personally, because it, it, there's something to it, because I'm passionate. Yeah, yeah. So something valuable about that. Like my my marketing director, uh, we had two interviews, and it was just a conversations. It wasn't really anything other than just conversations. They're both two hours or an hour and a half long each. And it was just this kind of connection where you're just like, yeah, all right. And he describes it like like uh, like I was flying by on a high speed train. I reached out and I grabbed him, <laughs> and, and he and he got thrown in the back. Uh, I love it. I love uh, it. And, uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of it, but he did it. He, he was like, yeah, I'm ready. He put his arm out Yeah. and that's, that's part of it too. But as you grow, you start to see there's a need for tacticians and there's a need for pragmatic people as well. Guys who are, you know, not necessarily in it because they're passionate about it, but they're brilliant at this tasking. They're, they're brilliant executors of certain things. So you have to have a balance in there. Yeah. Can't just have a bunch of passionate people running around. You you just have like one <laughs> one one big uh you know, one big roller coaster ride all the time. Yeah. Um 
but but you know and you need it like god you need an accountant who loves numbers i mean they need to love numbers and they need to look at it and you know that's the thing it's like i want an accountant who's like looking at it all the time trying to make sure it all makes sense yeah right? yeah I, my, I my I guess is there's a there's a core value here around just being passionate about whatever it is if it's about you know right. passionate about creating the perfect project plan or the perfect spreadsheet it's just like we just do things with passion it doesn't mean that you're you know out there trying to you know find the next deal or um yeah. you know the passion can come in, in very different shapes and forms but at the end of the day everyone has to be passionate i think that's i, I think that's um uh, that's probably a core value for you and the and the company but it, cer- it certainly doesn't hurt you yeah. know when you're when you've got that because there's doldrums and and in growing companies it's a roller coaster the financials are always are always moving you know the, there's banking concerns oh, yeah. there's yeah. you know there's there's marketing concerns there's i mean it's just so wild west that you know you need to have something that's going to keep you grounded through yeah. it while while the while you know people like me are yeah. sludging through it trying to figure it out yeah so well i think it, you we've, mentioned we've, you, you mentioned this idea of of you, you, as a company grows you need you need to kind of surround yourself with balancing forces and i, I spend a lot of time with ceos doing this is kind of figuring out like a, who who do you need to put on your leadership team or who you need to surround yourself with that's going to balance out some of these things because you know as as you get bigger there's going to be you know you yes you want to bring on people that share similar uh, visions and you know have uh, similar core values, but you also need to to make sure that you you're bringing in new perspectives and diversity on the team. You know, in terms of experience, in terms of thinking style, perspective, all those things. You know, so it's that there's a bit of an art with that. What um, I mean, I guess, would, as you kind of look forward, what are the what are the things you're kind of anticipating are going to be your next changes? Or as you kind of see the company getting bigger, what are the things that you're you're seeing within yourself or within, you know, kind of your role or your style or your focus that, you know, is going to need to evolve as the company gets bigger? Uh, it's, it's such a, a, a appropriate time to have that, have this conversation <laughs> on that specific question, because you, um, I mean, it was very small. Uh, and it was very intimate, you know, and I was very, I was very involved. I'm still very involved in the engineering. I'm very involved in, in the thought leadership and the planning kind of stuff. And uh, I still, that's a passion for me, but the company needs something else from me. And, and that, so that's a, that's that, you know, there's a sit down moment where you look yourself in the mirror and you say, well, okay, do I need to hire somebody to do this job? You know, because or is this something that I'm willing to shift over and and apply and be passionate and go after? Yeah. And and that's so that's really when it it's kind of come around to me is like this year's like my focus is so different than I was expecting it to be. And, you know, my uh, I was able to bring in an operations manager mm-hmm. uh, that can handle the day to day and take all of that away from me so I can go back to growth, you know, like not just not just, um, you know, not just making sure that the bank accounts look right, but actually looking at, you know, getting out in the world. And we're going to England next next month in August to do oh. a show in England and our national international presence is growing. And I'm up here in, in, in Vancouver meeting with some really large customers um, uh, about, you know, kind of going down the road of full processing solutions instead of just, you know, machines here, machines there. So as that focus has shifted, you know, I have to settle into this new role and I, I don't know how successful it's going to be <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's, it's just different. You know, yep. it's just, it's, it, and it's, I don't mind being in front of people and I don't mind 
talking and I don't mind doing presentations and I don't mind all that stuff. But there's there's uh, also when you do when you move, you you have to I have to let go of these other things and trust that the people that I brought in can do and will do those things to keep the direction of the company moving forward. And then I can't really babysit. I don't have that space anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't sit and control those things. So it's, it's a major shift and it's all coming with this move. And so, I mean, that last month, I, I mean, honestly, I, I was sitting in sitting at home and I was thinking, can I, can I do this? Do I really, (laughs) do I really want to do this? You know, this is, this is crazy. Why would I do this? And then, uh, you know, but, Really, it's just it's just the same thing. It goes back to it. I mean, this is what I do, so yeah. of course I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the, and the dirty little secret is every CEO goes through that. <laughs> every wow, single really? CEO I've worked with, every single CEO I talk to, you know, has this story. You know, where they they start doubting themselves or they start realizing that wow, you know, what I'm going to have to do in a year is 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 completely different than now. Am I really up for this change? Am I the best person? And and yeah, yeah it's it's a journey. You know, it's it's a journey that every CEO goes through. So. Yeah, no, you're on it. Interesting thing. I think I think I called myself a CEO and had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like why would you give yourself that title? Uh-huh. I wish somebody would have told me. But actually, I had a great conversation with a, with a with a man who uh-huh. um, has taken over one of our one of our one of our one of our big uh, wholesalers, and and he's uh, very very successful and has has brought. I hadn't asked for his permission, or I give you his name, but um, he's you know he's become kind of a mentor because they were actually looking at our company as an add on to yeah. them and blah, blah, blah. But he sat down with me and he had That's this great. really frank conversation with me. And, and I looked at that thing and I look at it and I'm like, you know, wow, I have to really, I really have to change a lot about how I think mm-hmm. about all of this stuff, you know, for this company to move in the right direction to continue to grow. And, um, that was, a, and it's been nice. It's nice to have a, a person who's been there, done that, and looks at the stuff that I think is impossible and goes, yeah, just do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. No, mindset. It's, it's all it's all mindset, all framing. Interesting. So uh, we're going to hit time here. Colin, this has been great. Uh, f- fascinating conversation. Uh, we, we covered a lot of great stuff. If people want to find out more about you, about the company, what's the best way to get that information? Well, I think the best possible way to find out about what we do is is through our website at uh, www.greenbros g r e e n b r o z dot com. That's a great place to start. There are some there are some videos out there if you want to see our products in action. We have uh, we have some shifting going on in our social uh, media right now. Um, that we're, so that's kind of on on hold for the moment, but it'll probably be up by the time the podcast comes around. So. You can check us out on Instagram then and Twitter and 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 all that other fun stuff, I guess. Awesome. But um, there's a lot of people out there who have our products and have experienced the the relationships that we build with our customer base, and I think that that's really what's important. I grew up in a company, a small business, and so I've always had that kind of idea. We I remember we had a paper guy that used to come by. We had a printing company. He's come by, and that was his job. He would just come by and <laughs> say hi yeah. and hang out, and yeah, you know. And I always remember no, I, that. And that's yeah. that's what we what we built yeah. in a sense, you know, although we're thin and we we're not quite uh, able to have that level of detailed attention, we are still able to have a degree of communication with all of our customers. And I think that that's what's kind of led us to be so successful. It's just that personal care. Yeah. So no, that's um, excellent. I, I will put, uh, I'll make sure that the URL and uh, you'd update me with all the, uh, the handles for social and I'll put those in the show notes so people can click through and get them. Awesome. Like I said, this has been a pleasure. Great conversation. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for being on the program. 
Yeah, I appreciate your time as well. Thank you. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.